Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, and I hope this morning you find something that you're looking for. <laughs> I am John Lou Johnstone, part of your ministerial team, and... I'm Reverend Erin Walter, also part of your team. We use she, her pronouns, and we're so glad to be here. If you're online and visiting with us, you can go to the website, austinuu.org, and you can find a, a welcome card there. Erin, what are we doing today? What, what are we, what's our theme this morning, month? I wrote it in pink Sharpie so oh. that I wouldn't forget. It's vulnerability. Ah, okay, that explains why I don't know exactly what I'm saying. We welcome everyone here, and we want you all to welcome one another. So recognizing that we each have the spark of the divine within us, will you turn and find that spark of divine with, to somebody near you? And online, you can do that through the chat. Good morning. I'm Ann Edwards, your lay leader today. Let's together say the words for lighting the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. This morning's call to worship comes from the book After the Good News, Progressive Faith Beyond Optimism by Reverend Nancy McDonald Ladd. Ladd, a white female Unitarian Universalist, serves as senior minister of River Road UU Church in Maryland. She writes, What if worship was just the public expression of the deep relational intimacy that has already busted us wide open with love for one another. What would it feel like if liberal religion acknowledged the broken hearts of its own people such that every sanctuary and every celebration of life could also authentically honor the liminal spaces of our own inadequacy and the tightrope we all walk between death and life. In the spirit of those questions, these invitations to our own fullness and authenticity, come, let us worship together. We gather for a reason. We are a church for a reason. That reason is reflected in the mission statement that this church wrote and put on its walls and that we say each week so that we can imprint it on our hearts. Now is the time to repeat our mission statement together. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. In that spirit, will you take a breath with me? See how that feels. Maybe one more. 
I want to take a moment of gratitude as we move into our centering and grounding to have a church. We were choked up up here. To have a church with a youth choir returning after these years of pandemic, to have this many children on the chancel. And if you're wondering where the teenagers are, they're back there in OWL, Our Whole Lives, Sexuality Education, and to have all of these new members. What an incredible blessing and a vibrant time in the life of this church. I invite you into a time of meditation and prayer with me, calling again from After the Good News by our colleague Nancy McDonald Ladd, who reminds us, never forget that every Sunday morning, someone in the congregation has just suffered the broken heart that they will spend a lifetime trying to mend. Never forget that someone in the congregation has just found a way through some great desolation. Never forget that someone in the congregation is here for the first time, wondering if this will be yet another place where they won't be noticed, won't be seen, won't be cared for. And somewhere in this congregation, there is someone grappling with a choice that will remake their life. In the spirit of noticing each other, in the spirit of prayer to God, to the spirit of life, to the river of love, I invite you now to light candles on either wall, to sit in prayer or meditation, to move as you feel moved. Blessed be.
Our reading is by May Sarton, a white Belgian-American poet who lived a long life. She died in 1995. She resisted the label of lesbian writer, preferring to convey the universality of human love. This is titled, All Souls. Did someone say that there would be an end, an end, oh, an end to love and mourning. Such voices speak when sleep and waking blend, the cold, bleak voices of the early morning when all the birds are dumb in dark November. Remember and forget, forget, remember. After the false night, Warm, true voices wake, voice of the dead that touches the cold living through the pale sunlight once more. Gravely speak, tell me again while the last leaves are falling. Dear child, what has been once so interwoven cannot be raveled, nor the gift ungiven. Now, the dead move through all of us, still glowing, 
mother and child, lover and lover mated, are wound and bound together and inflowing. What has been plaited cannot be unplaited. Only the strands grow richer with each loss, and memory makes kings and queens of us. Dark into light, light into darkness, spin when all the birds have flown to some real haven. We who find shelter in the warmth within listen and feel new cherished, new forgiven. As the lost human voices speak through us and blend our complex love, our mourning without end. We humans have a need to grieve. It's part of our bigger need to note and commemorate the changes of our lives so that we can make meaning of them. As Unitarian minister Max Coots of Beloved Memory put it, when seasons come as seasons do, old and known, but somehow new, when lives are born or people die, when something sacred sensed in soil or sky mark the time, respond with thought or prayer, or smile, or grief. Let nothing living slip between the fingers of the mind, for all of these are holy things we will not, cannot find again. Here's the thing, though. We have been through a time for the last three years when our rhythms of marking occasions have been sidetracked. Weddings and memorial services were small or virtual for some time. Graduations, birthdays, holidays slipped by, barely acknowledged. We've been separated from people and activities. Stuff abruptly ended, maybe to return and maybe not. Seasons have come and gone, and we have been unable to mark them in the ways we're used to. In missing all of this, our losses have piled up higher and higher, weighing on our hearts and stirring up grief that we don't even know the source of sometimes. And many of us have the even deeper burden of deaths of loved ones, whether by COVID or other causes that have felt more complicated or maybe less real than they might have. And we have felt the acute pain with continued revelations of the ongoing racism and other forms of oppression that resist eradication in our American culture. Plus, this congregation has had special losses 
saying goodbye to Reverend Meg Riley, the beloved senior minister, and Barnhouse, I am so sorry. <laughs> the wrong, mm, I, yeah. I, I don't have every word written in my script. That should teach me, right? And mourning the death of Cammie, who was the kitchen queen. Our initial reaction to the idea of loss is often to push it aside, to refuse to acknowledge its truth. We've coped pretty well through all this, we think. And then, one day somebody asked me if I knew people who had died from COVID. I do. I do. I don't like to look at that. I know people who have died. I know people who've had long-haul COVID. I did not have a chance to walk the stage at General Assembly to acknowledge my retirement. I missed ritual occasions with family. So much that has happened that never got the full attention or processing it needs. How do we deal with what we have already experienced so that we can move into the future, whatever it may be, whenever it comes, more seamlessly, more enthusiastically, more confidently, more hopefully, more whole. Nothing lasts forever. Every loss brings up the same emotions as death does. Denial, anger, sadness, guilt, fear. Every leaving is really a small death that gives us practice for mortality. And stages of death aren't really stages at all. They're more like waves, waves that come crashing over us. Sometimes we can see them coming and other times they arrive unbidden when we hear a particular song or smell pine or cinnamon, some scent that carries us off to another time, another dimension, the wave crashes over our head and slowly ebbs away. Most of us don't like to deal with the reality of mortality to take the time to say goodbye, to cry and rage against the dying of the light. We'd rather deny that things will really change. Problem is, it's not so easy for our bodies where we live. They know we have experienced loss. They know we need healing, healing we can only achieve through grief, through mourning. It's not so easy for our bodies. I'll never forget when I served as a hospital chaplain in Oakland, California in 2015, a colleague fainted while on patient rounds. Her knees locked and she fell right over. We cannot be present to so much grief 
or healing if we lock it inside. After that fainting, I made a choice to think of my body as a channel. I imagine a river of starlight, kind of like when Reverend Chris Jemerson talks about a river of love, but I like starlight, carrying the grief and pain I encounter in ministry and justice work up, through, out, to an awe-inspiring all that will not buckle under the weight of the world. This practice serves me in grief and also in joy. When I dance or sing, I also imagine sending love and good energy out through the channel to wherever it is needed. Loosen, loosen, baby. You don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go, if you know it. Loosen, loosen, baby. You don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. John Alou and I sang this Allie Halpert song with our colleagues at the Southwest UU Ministers Retreat this week. Thank you for adding your voices to it. We have been hoping to release some of what we've been carrying through this collective channel of song and of ritual. It did hit me hard this week, this idea that it's been three years since COVID hit and so much changed. I may never get over knowing that my aunt, when she died of COVID, her daughter, my cousin, just three days apart in age from me, could only sit in her car in the hospital parking lot and weep. And that then I could only sit in my car and weep across the miles that she could not be by her mother's side, and that it was this way for millions of people still breaks my heart, and I don't know where to put it sometimes. In the memoir, What My Bones Know, by Malaysian-born New Yorker Stephanie Fu, she talks about her decades-long quest to heal from complex trauma, childhood abuse, racism, and more. And even as she finds healing over time, she still writes, it's okay to have some things you never get over. Is there something you fear you might never get over? What do we do with pain like that? We can come together, hold it together, lift it up together, lament together. And so today, Reverend John Alou and I, who don't get to lead services together very much, we've chosen to spend some time on lamentation and spiritual practices of healing and release. Lamentation is a practice handed down over the centuries. In the Bible, we have biblical psalms and lamentations from the following the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem, 589 to 587 BCE. So it's old stuff we're going to be practicing. Folks who were displaced, hungry, 
grieving, crying out, used lamentation to deal with not just the physical struggle, but the emotional and spiritual aftermath, which is where we are at the three-year mark since COVID. Lamentation has also regained popularity widely and particularly among black leaders in Unitarian Universalism. Matthew P. Taylor wrote a piece called Lamentations in this book, Blue Notes, an anthology of love, justice, and liberation from black lives of Unitarian Universalism. And here's a little piece of it for you. Lamentations are the love language of Pandora's box, holding secrets and truths, the gentle heart, the sensitive mind, the body in motion. Lamentations are a way to be seen and held and heard for once so that the weeping, the stories behind the tears are not silenced. So today we'll have some spiritual practice stations, but I wanted to talk to you briefly about what a lamentation is in case like me who grew up in this church, you haven't done them. It's a simple form of prayer or writing. And here are the parts. Number one, you address your complaint to someone or something and you name it. Naming is a spiritual practice. And this is a good place to try on different names for the holy. Maybe you don't use God in your normal life, but maybe you try it on because you're mad and you're going to tell them something. Or maybe you've been thinking about goddess language. Or maybe you like our friend like Reverend Teresa Nanan Soto of our Oakland congregation. So you might say, God, my heart is sick over loved ones I may never see again. Then number two, you confess your trust, though it may be uncertain, and you petition for a solution holding nothing back. Do not minimize your complaints or beg for small favors, says the Reverend Derek Jackson, one of our ministers in Chicago who taught this practice to me. Go big. As you cry out and fall to your knees, he says, the universe can handle it. So, for example, spirit of life and love, I am trusting you to take the cancer, the depression, the violence. Take it. Not one more neighbor or friend. Then lastly, and this is important, express confidence that your prayer has been heard and end your lament with gratitude. Thank you. For hearing my plea and for the truth that we are not alone. Amen. And that's it. No promise to fix it. Beware those who promise to fix it. Just the sacred power of naming today, trusting the universe to be what Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh describes as the compassionate listener. The beauty of lamentations is that they create space for both uncensored wailing and the act of fidelity. Those who lament only do so because underneath it all we have a faith that a God of mercy, a universal love, will hear our prayers. And lamentation also runs counter to dominant culture because it requires humility not to pretend that we have the answers. So today, in acknowledgement of the many griefs, both individual and collective, that are known to this congregation, before we move on to new things, like a new search committee, a new minister, a new chapter, 
as your interim ministers, we want to offer spiritual practices of release. We invite you to think about the pain you may be holding and lift it up to the spirit of life or out to this community so that you don't have to hold it alone, so that your knees don't buckle. Yes, there are some things we may not get over, but healing is possible. So during a time of contemplative music, we invite you to some stations. There are, um, there are some stations where you might take, take a little stone here and drop it into water. There's a station up here where you might write something on a little piece of flash paper and flash it with flame. Uh, there's there's uh, another station with water back there. And there's a lamentation paper that you can write the prayer here, or you can take it to hold on to it later. If you need more time for lament, you can take it home. Um, we have we have these offerings for you, and of course the candles are still here. And um, Aaron and I will be here if you need anything. So in our shared grieving, may we find some loosening, some healing, I invite you into spiritual practice. Now let's join together in saying the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. We may feel like a small boat on an ocean grieving our particular griefs for the, from the last few years, from our lifetimes. Look around you. The truth is we are in this together. The truth is we are here for one another. The truth is that as we grieve, we prepare ourselves for new ways of life, never forgetting what we have lost, always loving what we have, what we have strengthened by the honesty and vulnerability of our emotions and always ready for a new day's dawn. May we treasure these truths in our hearts as we go from this place. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.